listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. This morning, we're going to answer one question from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And I know some of you are like, wait, didn't we just finish our parting admonition series last week? It's like, yes, yes, we did. But if you listened closely last week, I told you, I dropped a hint. We would be spending a little bit more time on this verse because it is such an important verse. So from this one, verse 18, we're going to answer a question. Why do you go to church. Isn't that a fitting question on a day like this where we're looking and, and just count, thanking God and counting our blessings for being a part of this local church? The question I have for you is, why do you make church a commitment and a priority in your life? Why is it so valuable and vital for you to be here? You may even say, all right, well, is it though? Is it really that important? I mean, I have my walk with Christ and the relationship with with God. And when you look around at our world today, even professing Christians, and if you really put a, you know, put them under pressure, like how valuable really is it? They don't seem to necessarily value it as high as like maybe a pastor on Sunday morning would would want to value church. So in reality, a lot a lot of people don't place a, a priority on the gathering of the church and the worship of Jesus Christ on Sunday morning, and then throughout the week, living in community as we walk in love with one another. So why is that? There's a lot of layers to this, and this is going to be a different message today. If you're new, new with us, I don't normally just preach from one verse and have like a topical sermon like this. Normally, we're in a series, and we just go through exegetically, like, what does the passage say? That's going to be the main point of the text. It's going to be the main point of the sermon, and, and we go from there. We're going to do that next week when we start a new series in Judges. But today, in this special occasion, we're really going to just highlight this one verse and answer this one specific question. So 2 Peter 3, 18, let me read the text with you, uh, and, and we'll go from here. This is our verse for today. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This verse right here is the sum total of a Christian's calling. It's all packed concretely into this verse. And nestled in here is the answer of, why do I go to church? In this short verse, Peter has been letting these, these chosen sojourners, he's giving these chosen sojourners a parting admonition that he always wants to leave this reminder with them. And it's really a perfect summary of what we are called to do as we await the return of Jesus Christ. Now, on one hand, you could answer that question, why do you go to church? You can answer it a thousand different ways, right? There's a lot of specific answers to that. It's not just a one simple sentence answer. But as we unpack this verse, you're going to see that in actuality, there are a variety of reasons. And if you only see one or two of those reasons, you're missing something that's very, very important, the full answer. And you need the full answer because if you only have one or two elements, that will only take you so far. So grow in the grace of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So here's the outline for you. I'm going to just, I told you this is a different message. I'm just going to give the outline right now. 
All right, all three points. Here they are. What does it mean to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? How do you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? And then how do you determine if you are growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? So let's get right into this. First question, number one. What does it mean to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? As we are celebrating four years together of God moving and saving and convicting and changing lives, we have to give all the praise and glory to God. We also have to get real about what we must do if we want to continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. If we want our church to continue to affecting people and pointing people to eternity and helping people find the saving love of God through the, and, and then our mission. We want to grow in that too, right? We want to grow in our, our commitment to glorifying God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. So either today you are spiritually growing or you are shrinking. You are slipping. Now, I know we all know what grow means, but let's break this down on a spiritual level for your life in Jesus Christ right now. So growth, what is this? First of all, this is very important. Growth presupposes a birth. There's no such thing as being static in the Christian life. The only way to avoid falling in the Christian life is to advance. And there can be no growth unless there has been a beginning. So the very idea of growth immediately suggests to us that being a Christian means receiving the gift of God and having a new life. It's something that we've been noticing in this series in 1 Peter and in 2 Peter, is that all of the calls to holiness, every time Peter challenges his, his audience with something, with holiness, with, with, with devotion to God, it's always to someone who has spiritual life. Never does God in the, or the Bible challenge a lost person to be holy. Never. It's like you need to confess, repent of your sins, find, this, find faith in Christ, receive the gift of salvation, and then you can move on to holiness. But as a Christian, we are challenged because God has given us new life. So the Bible never calls upon unregenerate man or woman to improve themselves or make themselves better. The message is for the lost to find Christ. And then once you find Christ, and we're talking to the church, you're born again, then you can grow. Secondly, growth is organic, it's not mechanical. There's a huge difference between the vital process of growth and a mechanical enlargement of something without life. Think about that. You can add to something that is lifeless, but you cannot make something which lacks life grow. If I just had a cup of dirt up here, I don't, thank goodness, um, but if I had a cup of dirt and then I added more dirt to that cup, you wouldn't say, oh, the, gr the, the dirt grew, no, right? Like, that's not, no, you just put more dead dirt in, in the cup. That's all you did. You just added something. And then what is that really doing for us, right? If, if there was growth, you would have to plant a seed in that cup of dirt, water it, sunshine, and then new life would sprout out of it. That's growth. It's not just adding something. So let's make this personal. A lot of people 
they think their Christian growth is just adding things to their life. I got to do this. I got to be better here. I got to try harder. I got to work. I got to work on this. Like they try to just add things mechanically. That's not growth. If you look back in church history, Martin Luther is a great example of this. Uh, many of you know that name, Martin Luther. You know, one of the leaders of the Reformation who took the church out of the dark ages, where it was, where it was, the, the Catholic Church was nothing but. Um, stale, stiff religion. It was this mechanical growth. You have to add things to it. And there's a lot we can say about it all. But he was a monk who tried so hard to be holy, to be spiritual. I mean, he lived in the monastery. He did all of these, these spiritual things that he added all of them to his life. But he was incredibly frustrated because even though he was a monk and he didn't talk to people or go out in the world and he was trying really hard to be a holy, good person, he felt no growth in his heart. He did not feel the love of God at all. And finally, he read in Romans that the just shall live by faith. And that verse completely changed his life because he gave his, he gave his life to Jesus and, and he repented of his sin in his own heart. And then he started to grow. So you don't just add merit to merit. You will be frustrated. You will, you will actually be fake and phony after, after a while. Like a lot of bad consequences come when we don't understand that, that growth is organic. It's not mechanical. There's people in the room right now. And the reason you're here, the reason you go to church is because you're trying to add a good thing to your life. It's mechanical. It's like, okay, I guess this is going to be great. It'll make me a moral person, right? That's the wrong reason to go to church. That's not the reason you should be here. Because if that is the reason you're here, eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to fade away. Eventually you're going to get tired of that. And you're going to move on to something else. So we can't mechanically add a prosthetic arm to your body. That's not growth. Not only is the process of growth not mechanical, it's also, number three, progressive and gradual. It's never sudden. Never sudden. I talked about the kids, these kids in the front row right here. Y'all, y'all have grown and you don't really feel it, right? Like you don't feel your body growing. I know my son Paxton sometimes, he'll have growing pains at night because he's, his legs are growing so long, so fast. So, so he feels that every once in a while. But besides the growing pains thing, normally you don't, you don't sense it, you don't feel it. It just, it just kind of happens, right? And you wake up one day and you look at yourself, uh, a picture of yourself from, from four years ago. And you're like, whoa, I'm taller. I have, my hair's different. My skin's different. Like you see features in your body that have grown and developed. So growth is always progressive and gradual. It's imperceptible. So with this groundwork laid, what does it mean to grow in the grace, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? It's very, very important. And, uh, my battery just died right here. I knew that was going to happen. So let me pull this up really quick. I have my backup. Here it is. Let's take this first piece. Grow in grace. I'm going to talk about grace for a minute. This does not mean to grow in graciousness. It includes that. But it doesn't solely mean that. 
Neither does it mean in and of itself that I should grow in my possession of the graces of the Christian life. Now, it includes that, but it doesn't solely mean that either. And this is where you have to really take the full context of the New Testament. What is Peter saying when he says something like this, to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ? Well, we have to realize he's talking about the entirety of our relationship with him. Because all of our life, if we find Jesus Christ, if he finds us and saves us, we are in the age of grace, we're in the dispensation of grace, we are in the church age of grace. Call it however you like, but we're no, under, no longer under the law, we are under grace. Everything we have in our life is a gift of the grace of God. Grace is receiving something that you don't deserve, right? So either you're under the law or you're under grace. And it's totally dependent on how you look at Christ. You're either under the wrath of God or you're under the grace of God, depending on what you believe about Jesus, if you've received him or not. And this is what 2 Corinthians 3 is talking about. Not that we are sufficient in and of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter that kills but of the spirit that gives life. So the letter of the law condemns us. It shows us that we don't measure up to God. He is holy, we are not. But by the grace of God, sin no longer has dominion over you. You were not under the law, but you were under grace, Romans 6, 4. So are you, are you following me on this? Because this is so crucial. Grace is receiving something that you don't deserve. Mercy is God withholding things from you that you actually do deserve. But God's grace is all of the things that he has blessed your life with. Everything. The air you breathe. Your family. Your job. Your church community. All of these things that we don't really deserve. We didn't earn it. We don't. We, we, it's a gift. It's, it's an overflow. It's a blessing. So as a Christian, I receive and experience grace from God in various degrees. And your entire life is a gift of the grace of God. So we're not just talking about surviving and maintaining your composure and gutting it out in life. Peter is saying all of your experiences are for you to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's your life now. This is your life in Christ. Your entire life is the grace of Jesus Christ. But it's not just growing in the grace of Jesus, it's also growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does that mean? This is easy to figure out, right? Peter's, this is Peter's way of saying you're growing in your understanding of who Jesus is. So it's not just I'm, I'm learning facts concerning God. I'm not just consuming, you know, truth nuggets. And I mean, we're going to see doctrine is very important. But a lot of people think, all right, grow in the knowledge. It's just, it's just get this doctrine straight, get my facts lined up. I got I to gotta, I gotta learn more and, and know more and get deeper. But you're missing that the knowledge of God isn't just static knowledge about God. It's actually knowing the person and having that personal relationship. When you get to know a person better, you gain more knowledge about them, right? You know, I know my family very well. We talk every single day. We talk about life. 
We talk about what we enjoy. We talk about our hobbies. We talk, we, we talk about funny things that happen. We talk about hard things that happen. And we get to know each other. The longer I'm married to Julie, and we've been married now for 10 years, nine years, 11 years. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. I'm, 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 I'm not great at that. But we've been married for 11 years. That's not my point. Don't, don't let that overshadow. What I'm trying to say is the years don't matter when you get to know someone better. Like when you actually get to understand how they tick, how they think, how they operate, yeah, you just forget about the years and they all blur together. Hopefully I saved that. Hopefully. Probably not. Probably not. Here's the thing, though. We have to know someone on a deeper level. And once you know them on a deeper level, you love them more. You love them more, and you're able to know how they receive love. So we, we, we should be about this growth in our relationship with Jesus so that we know him. So let's go back to our original question. <laughs> Still can't believe I did that. Um, <laughs> let's go back to our original question. It's vital for you to grow. It's vital for you to grow in church, to be a part of church. And this is one of the reasons you're here. It's one of those reasons. Hearing the word of God preached, using your spiritual gifts to serve one another, finding community and living your life through supporting one another and, and being supported even. It's, it's all so important. So we have to open ourselves up to getting to know other people, right? You have to. And this is also where it does get tricky too, as, as well. It, it gets tricky too on this because to really love someone, you have to open up and you have to be honest. And also that without fail creates an opportunity for you to get burned, for you to get hurt. Because if you're transparent, if you're open about something, you're opening yourself up to that person. That person could also fail you. That person could could hurt you down the road. So, so being transparent and actually being open and honest and real with people is hard. It's, it's a little scary at times as well, especially if you, if you felt burned in the past. But here's why we do it. We do it because it's the only way to love people. You can't truly know someone, you can't truly love someone if you're not being honest and genuine and real with them. So we, we must trust God, trust the sovereignty of God and say, hey, I want to get to know you. I want to invest in your life and I want to share the love of God with you. As you open up your heart, you will be blessed. You will bless others. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 talks a lot about this. Let us hold fast to our confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see how that fits exactly with what we're talking about? We're looking for Jesus to Christ to come. We're waiting for that day. We also should not neglect meeting together, gathering together to worship, to be in each other's homes, because we are to encourage one another. So when you choose other things 
over Jesus Christ in, 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 the, in the fellowship of the saints, in the gathering to worship Christ and, and to use your gifts together in the, as a body, you know, you're, you're a part of a living organism. And so when you don't do something, it affects not just you, but it affects other people. Your decisions, your actions have an effect on other people. Could go on all day about this, but what does your heart reveal? Do you crave being with Jesus? Do you crave being in Jesus' church, in Christ's church? Are you hungry to actually pour out your life to build up other Christians, your brothers and sisters in Christ? Or does your Christian life look more mechanical, like it's something I just have to add to my already full plate? That should tell you a lot about your heart right there. Question number two, how do you grow in the grace, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? We talked about what it is. Now let's talk about how this happens. Now you may think, well, didn't we just answer that question, David? You know, be faithful to Christ in his church. That's part of it, of course. But there's more. Let's get more specific. How do you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? And I want to add here, this is one of the most neglected aspects of the church right now. It's actually been one of the most neglected pieces of the church for quite some time. If you go back into church history and you read like the Puritans or you go even further back to the Catholic Church before like the Roman Catholics dominated it and took it into a whole mechanical religious experience, you will see that for, for generations, this was the central question that Christians had. How do I grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? We don't spend enough time on this anymore, though. We really don't. What do you think the emphasis of, of the church is right now? And I'm painting with a very broad brushstroke here, okay? I'm not just talking about Doxa Church. Like We're going we're gonna to go on a little detour here for a second. I want to talk, talk through church history, but what is really the driving focal point of the church? Like big evangelicalism. If you go back, if, you, if you're really honest about it and you actually listen to what time is spent on and energy is spent on, I would say, and again, this isn't an exhaustive list. There's a lot of things going on. I'm, I'm going to be really quick with this and very quick, you know, broad with this. This is like a podcast for another day. But right now, I would say the emphasis is social justice, racial, racial equity. I mean, that's, that's the biggest push right now. Now, our God is a God of justice. Absolutely. You better believe that. He is just and he will judge evil because he is the just and the justifier. And racism is evil. Of course it is because God is not partial. When you see in scripture that talk, when, when we see the truth that God shows no partiality, he does not look at anyone different. Man, woman, child, slave or free, you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's so important to have that down. But if that's your focus of just social justice, racial equity, you're missing something. Let's go back a little bit further. How about five years ago? What was the predominant focus of the church? You could argue with me on this, but I would say it was, it was the social issues of immigration, of women in leadership. Are you starting to actually notice any trends here? 
The cultural hot button issues are exactly what the church is following. They're just reacting to the world instead of leading with the truth. Go back 10 to 15 years ago. You had the whole emphasis was on build your church as big as you could get your church. Multi-site campuses, all of this stuff. It was all the rage. How big can you get? How big can your budget get? How big can your programs and your platforms get? That was the emphasis of the church. What a reflection of our world. Was that driven by scripture? Well, of course, we want to grow and, and see more people reach Jesus, right? But you can easily get the emphasis off. That was motivated more by the flesh than it was by the spirit. What about 20 to 30 years ago when I was a kid? What was the emphasis of the church? It was a seeker-sensitive movement. It was all about how we can repackage the gospel to, to meet this person over here. And it was, it was this modern marketing techniques that they integrated into the church to make the church more palatable uh, for, for the lost person. So we got away from just saying, hey, we gather at church on Sunday to worship Jesus Christ. This is a worship service for him. The whole emphasis was on what, how can we make this more, more appeasing and, and, you know, for, for their appetite had devastating consequences. Let's go past that to the 70s and 80s. Was the emphasis on growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ back in the 70s and the early 80s? That was when fundamental independent Baptist churches were the largest churches in the country because mainline denominations had compromised the authority of Scripture. More on that in a second. But back then, big personalities dominated. And the church... Was, was actually consumed with, with American politics and freedom and independence. I mean, we had, it was the Ronald Reagan era, man. Like, and, and that was really the moral majority. All of those things were the emphasis of the church. We had a usher in revival. Again, you see the church following step for step with the culture around them. What about before that? We're going way back, before, way before me now. Um, so you have to do a little research on this. But if you go back to the 60s, you have secular humanism, you have Freud, you have Norman Vincent Peale, you have all these very secular self-help approach, you know, dominating the culture. And that's where the church abandoned the truth of the gospel and tried to make everything socially relevant and congruent with the newest psychological advancements. What about the 40s and 50s? It was a compromise on the authority of God's word. That's when the mainline denominations fell. The social gospel, what can we do for the world and for our society? It overshadowed the sufficiency of scripture in your personal walk with Christ. So the overwhelming dominant factor was the church is this social place you go to. It's this, this general great idea. Instead of being personal and direct, it became just this thing you do to feel good and to fit in your society. This is just a cultural thing, warm and fuzzy. And Christianity was convenient and quaint and morally uplifting for the common good of society. Notice that? I mean, they were fighting wars at this point in time. They were just, they were just, they, they, and they lost their way. So what I'm saying is for, for a very, very long time, the church has been concerned with a lot of other things, other than you personally growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So how do you do that? We've taken our cues from a lost world. We've been reactionary instead of taking charge, this charge from Peter. 
And broadly speaking, there is apathy in the church, and it's been that way for far too long. It starts with the hearts of individual Christians. We have forgotten that Jesus changes the heart. And when Jesus changes the heart, Jesus changes everything. We've gotten lazy and unfocused about living our life on mission for the glory of God. See, we have the truth. The church has the gospel right here. We have all we need. We have the answers to all these problems. And when you look at our society today, you see so many broken people, lonely people, abused people, hurting people. You see, you see an attack on masculinity. You see an attack on, on, on true biblical femininity. Like all of these, there's all these lies swirling around. People have been consumed with thinking like, oh, it's this system that's the problem or, or it's the patriarchy that's the problem or it's this or it's that. And people are, are wounded, they're medicated, they're stressed out, they're anxious. It's, it's everywhere. Because we have gotten away from the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the answer. That's what we all need. So let's go back to this practical question. How can you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Do you want the answer to this now? Are you hungry for the answer on this? Remember, you can't make yourself grow. I didn't talk about this. I almost did. I'll say it now. Like you have, you've, historically, you have the Catholic approach and you have the Protestant approach. The Catholic approach was always be a monk. Like the world is evil. Separate yourself from that. It's like mechanically adding things. You have to do this. You have to, you have to pay these alms, like say these prayers. It was always the, the spiritual person who, ooh, wow, they're working overtime because they're dedicated and devout. And then you had the lady. You had everybody else. Like all those those people who just have to do, this, do the work, do, do the labor. They don't have time to be as spiritual as me. That philosophy has even creeped into Protest, the Protestant church, though. Because the Re- Reformation, we're doing a lot of church history today. I mean, it's, this, is our, this is our standalone sermon, okay, we can. But, but with the Reformation, they rightly realize that, look, personal growth, going back to Martin Luther, right? It's not this mechanical things that I add to my faith. It's a breathing, walking relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's not a direct thing. Growth isn't this direct thing. It's an indirect thing. It happens now that I'm living and breathing in Christ. I will grow. But even now, the church still says, do this program. Do this thing over here. Add this to your life. Add this, add that. And, this, and, the, and people get stressed out, overworked, and they get weary. So David, all right, tell me, please, what are we supposed to do? I know, I'm, I'm covering a lot of things here. But think of it like this. Lasting, sustained health is not something which, which can be produced by medicine and surgery. Of course, you can have corrective surgery, but if the patterns that cause the problem remain, you will be right back on the operating table in no time. Health comes from getting sunshine and exercise and putting healthy organic foods into your body, right? That's where real health comes from. And it's no different physically than it is in the spiritual, the spiritual sense. These are completely connected. 
So instead of fooling yourself into thinking that surgery and pills will manufacture health, realize that there are certain conditions that lead to you being healthy, to lead to you growing. There's certain thing, elements of your walk with Christ that will promote growth and encourage growth, and we have to tap into those things. Just like eating fruits and vegetables instead of fried, processed junk food, the fruits and vegetables will make you healthy. The other ones will not. So when you look at growth the right way, you are saved from this mindset of overthinking and doubting and the endless stress of, am I good enough? Have I done everything that I can do? And you turn that inward focus up to Christ and you look ahead. Look what Jesus did for me. I'm going to do the same thing that he did for me to someone else because my heart is overflowing right now at the love that I have received from God. So what is the food and the air and the drink that you need to organically set yourself up for for you to grow? Let's just break it down that way in this, in this analogy. Because it is an analogy, I mean, but it's also literally the facts. <laughs> you want to grow physically, this is what you do. You want to grow spiritually, same parallels, exact same ones. So number one, you have to eat. Remember 1 Peter 2, 2? Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. What's that talking about? It's talking about growing by reading the Bible, right? This isn't rocket science here. Peter has been consistently talking about this feast on the word of God. Hunker down in the word of God. Like we've seen it over and over again. The word of God is soul food. And it's not going to give you heartburn. It is food for your soul. It is meat. It's the superfood full of protein that you have to replenish yourself with. Spiritual warfare is real. The flesh is weak. We will get worn down. We will get injured. But you have to open up the word of God, soak it in, and eat up the truth of God's word if you want to grow. What else? Well, prayer has got to be a part of that, right? you got to breathe, okay? You have to walk and talk with God in your thoughts. Have these conversations with God throughout the day. If you're a Christian, talk to him and listen to him. This is the air we breathe. It's, the, it's our prayer life. The four foundations of our church, when we talk about, if you're a member of DOXA, you've heard this before, right? Worship, preaching, prayer, and witness. Those are the things that we know. If we emphasize those things, if we focus on those four things, you know, we're going to be a church that God uses. Assess yourself. How are you doing on all four of those things? Do you have a strong prayer life? Are you, are you committed to taking the time to talk with God in prayer? What else? What's another condition? Well, I would say faithfully serving Faithful attendance, that's also the air that you breathe spiritually. These are all means of grace. It's, it's really that simple. And you remember the first point, the application from the first point. Get involved in a life group. If you can't go on Tuesday night or, or Wednesday night, get involved in a serve team where you can actually get to know people. And, and just be real about life. Walk with people. Talk with people. We've all been hurt before. We, we will all continue to be hurt. But we have to actually open ourselves up and find community. 
where we meditate on God's truth and where we share what God is teaching us. Share what is challenging in our life right now. And then you can see, wow, Jesus did that for them. And we heard some amazing testimonies this morning, right? You hear what Jesus did in those other lives. That is powerful. That, that, that stimulates you. So the application here hasn't changed. It's the same stuff from point one as we have in point two. But this is why you go to church. This is what we need a doxa. You don't need to add another program or conviction. And we aren't asking you to read a book a week or, or, or do something else that doesn't fit in your schedule. If you can read a book a week, great, good for you. I'll, we'll have a conversation about that. It'll be awesome. But not everybody can do that, right? The important thing is that you actually have that time with God. Here's another one. If you want your garden to grow, what do you have to keep out of it? The weeds, right? Yeah, they suck the nutrients out of the soil. They choke out the good fruit. So number three is cleanse. Cleanse. If you want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, you have to avoid things that are opposed to Jesus Christ. What, do you, what kind of TV are you watching? Are you, are you filling your mind and your eye gate with trashy television? You think that's not going to affect you? It absolutely will. What are you listening to? What, what, kind of, what is your music diet like? What are you reading? Are you even giving yourself a minute to just stop and think without having any device in your hand, without having any earbuds in your ears? Do you ever give yourself a minute just to meditate? and talk to God, and to cleanse your mind. It's very important that we do that. James said, friendship with the world is enmity with God. You cannot be friends of the world's system and be a friend of God. You can't be close to Jesus if you're constantly consuming the exact same things that he bled and died for on the cross. Am I right? So cleanse that. And then how do you exercise your faith? Um, that's, another, that's another element here, exercise. This is a very important part of physical growth that checks out with spiritual growth. A lot of people think that just dieting will get them trim and healthy. But I mean, you listen to any of the experts, right? And they say, hey, if you really want to lose that weight, if you really want to get healthy, don't just diet. You have to diet and exercise. And when you exercise and your muscles get a little bit bigger, guess what? You start burning more calories, right? It's, you, have to do, you can do less cardio when you just do a little bit of actual physical workout ahead of time. It's very practical that way. And if you're just consuming the word of God and you're just spending that personal relationship with God, great, great. But if it's only you consuming and consuming and consuming and consuming, and you're just getting more knowledge and more knowledge, you're not doing anything with that knowledge, knowledge puffs up. The head gets bigger and bigger, and then pride goes before a fall. So you have to exercise your faith. You have to use your spiritual gifts. You have to get out there and actually love people. Don't just, don't just pray for them. Actually put some action to that prayer and see how you can help them out in the physical real world. Also, you have to rest. We exercise our faith. We serve. We love people. But we also have to rest to grow. If it's all work and no play, and never, you're never taking a minute off, 
you're never taking a day off or a week off, you're going to grow weary, physically and spiritually. Life is not easy. People aren't easy. You have to take breaks at times. You have to, otherwise you will kill yourself. The most unhealthy time in my life was when uh, Beckham was first born, okay? We were living in Colorado, and uh, I was part of a church plant out there. So I was, I was a youth pastor at this church, but I also did a lot, little bit of everything. And I got up every single morning at 4 o'clock. I showered, and I walked to Starbucks, and I opened the store at 4.30 a.m. It was really nice. I, I could just, like, walk to work. But every single Monday through Friday, I was there at 4.30. I was off at noon. I walked home. And then Julie went to her insurance agency job that she had. And then I was a stay-at-home dad with Beckham for the rest of the afternoon. And then at night, I was like somehow like preparing messages and like doing all, like this church did way too many programs. So like I was doing that whole life nonstop. And I, and I, and I had to actually come to the point of like, wait, what is going on? Like in my sleep, I was grinding my teeth. Um, I was having short-term memory loss. I couldn't, I, I would say the wrong words at times. Like, I was just physically drained because I had gone years with, like, oh, man, I got to save up for a ring. I'm going to work three jobs. Like, all of this stuff of go, 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 go at a completely unsustainable, unhealthy place. And it was taking a toll on me physically. And I realized we have to change. We can't, we can't do this. You have to have rest. And you have to rest in Christ. You have to rest spiritually. So look at that list. How are you doing on all five of those things? You miss one of those, guess what? Your, your health is going to be a little off, right? Your, your growth is going to be stunted if you're missing one or more of those things. Last question, number three, how do you determine if you are growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Well, I just talked about my physical health at the, at the worst part of my life when I was living in Colorado, how, how it was actually physically showing up. You can, see, you can see people that are unhealthy. And as much as the world tries to say, oh, you know, like your appearance isn't really a reflection of your actual health. Like, oh, no, no, it is. Actually, it, it truly is, right? You can see it in people's eyes. You can see it in people's hair, in their skin, in their weight. The, the body tells you if you're healthy. Don't fool yourself. And the physical self is tied to your spiritual soul. How do you determine if you are growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Ask yourself this question. Am I spiritually weary? Am I spiritually tired? Am I, am I spiritually hungry for something more? And that's, that's really where we're, we're, we've, we've come this far. And I, this is really what I want you to personalize, okay? This question. Are you spiritually weary and dragging? That's how you determine if you're growing in Christ or not. But if you are fearful, if you are anxious, if you are doubting yourself, we're not here to judge you. We're not here to make you feel bad about yourself and to add one more thing to you, okay? 
We're not here to mechanically, surgically implant some new self-help improvement thing into your life. Right? What is this, what is this verse been teaching us? To grow in the grace in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if you're weary, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're just struggling right now, our heart is for you. And we want to help you by pointing you to our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is your strength. He will make you strong. And if you are, if you're struggling and you're weary, I, I have to say, think about where you're putting the predominant focus of your thoughts. Chances are it's on you. I've been there. I think we've all been there. And a lot of times it happens when someone else does something to you. You didn't initiate it. You were wronged. You were hurt. And you keep thinking about how this impacts you. And you go over and over and over in your mind all of the different ways that you're feeling hurt. And some of that is healthy. I'm not here to say that's not a part of the process of getting healing. It, it is. Acknowledging wrong, identifying where that's coming from, that's very, very valuable. You, you have to do that. But you have to go beyond the people who have manipulated you you have to go past the people who have selfishly used you. And you have to move past this innate desire to protect yourself and, and to defend yourself. Because if that's where you're stuck, you're just going to tighten up. And you're going to inwardly focus on all the things that are wrong in this world. Let's look at, look at 2 Peter 3, verse 18, one more time but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Our life is for his glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Do you realize eternity has already started? I mean, I mean right now we're living in this present life, and, and Peter's had a lot to say about it. But this isn't all we're living for. We have eternity with Jesus Christ, if you're a child of God, to look forward to. And you can't let this struggling, this, this, this problem, this anxious feeling that you have right now divert your gaze from the truth that God has a plan for you that God loves you, that God has chosen you, he's adopted you, you're a sojourner in this present world, absolutely you are. But this is just a season. It's a breath. It's a vapor. And God wants to use you in your life right now for eternity. The things that you do now, the people that you impact right now as a member of a local church, when you love someone, when you welcome them in, when you open your heart to them, when you share Jesus Christ with them, you are, you are actually truly giving them a glimpse of eternity. And you're pointing them to the love of Christ. We have to eat the word of God. 
We have to breathe in relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to serve and exercise. We have to cleanse your heart and your mind from all the impurities that are out there. Exercise those gifts and rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church. You are loved.